coming up on this episode. You will be in pain. You will be unhappy. You'll be depressed. You've got to look after. You've got to keep your joints moving. You've got to keep your muscles strong. Uh, and that has a good effect on you physiologically, but also mentally as well. Massive, massive focus on prevention being better than cure. He was with a personal trainer. He was telling him, and I turned around to my friend, I was like, what the heck is this? I said, this is madness. I said, oh my God, I can't believe it. I said, this guy is going to end up in my clinic next week. Hi, and welcome to the Med Conceptions podcast, a podcast about living a healthy and more mindful life. Today with me, I have the pleasure and honor to have Mr. Akash Patel, who is a consultant trauma and orthopedic surgeon at the Royal Free Hospital in London, a distinguished and prized researcher and associate professor at UCL. He has a subspecialty surgical experience in hip and knee disorders. Mr. Patel is, has also a keen interest in sports, exercise, and surgical education. Today, we're going to try and talk about some common orthopedic injuries and address some associated misconceptions. How are you doing, Mr. Patel? I am very well. First and foremost, Andres, thank you very much for that uh, kind introduction. Um, I think this is right up my street, actually, because obviously we're going to have a good discussion about being healthy and being very mindful. And this is something, obviously, as doctors, as surgeons, we always kind of think about. But no, thanks uh, for the invitation. I'm looking forward to our discussion. It's my pleasure. So what we do usually is we start about talking about a bit about what you do and why you're doing it. Okay, great. Thanks. So what do I do? So I'm a trauma and orthopedic uh, consultant. I'm based in um, uh, London. So mainstay of my job also is really operating. So I do lots of surgeries. Uh, my subspeciality interest is hips and knees. Um, so I do element of what we say trauma work, which is all the emergency uh, surgeries, but also I do elective. So that means the non-emergency work. So things like hip replacements, knee replacements, keyhole surgery of the hip, keyhole surgery of the knee. Um, so that's a lot of my work, the, the, the gist of it. I mean, not only uh, the operating, but actually obviously, you know, do things like clinics, ward-based work, and something that I'm very, very keen interested is uh, education as well. So uh, part of my job is um, as the undergraduate lead uh, for orthopedic training at the University College London. And I do a lot of training for senior surgeons uh, as well, because in surgery or in medicine, you're always learning. Uh, and one of the things I always say to everyone, look, you know, whatever you do, you have to try and enjoy it. So try, I try to enjoy learning and I try to make it, you know, useful and helpful and fun for all the uh, trainees and other surgeons. How come you chose orthopedics as, a, as your specialty? That's a good question. I mean, um, you know, I think first and foremost, you know, as doctors, we always, you know, want to help people. And that is probably one of the biggest reasons why I chose orthopedics, not only helping people, but orthopedics in terms of things like your functional outcomes, so things that we can do to help to improve some someone's quality of life. But orthopedic surgical procedures have excellent functional outcomes. So if you look at things like, you know, hip replacements, knee replacements, you know, patients, they come to you and they are in so much uh, pain, they're struggling with their walking, their quality of life. And then you can do something to change that, to improve that. And, and that is one of the biggest 
satisfactions from me. So being able to do something to help somebody and then they come back to you in the clinic and in orthopedics, that's so satisfying because you can make a good functional difference. I love doing the clinics post-surgery because you bring someone who is in a, a, who has a very poor quality of life, is not very, very mobile, and then you can do something interactive or, or practical to help to try to improve them. Um, and that's really, really what, what kind of attracted me to orthopedics. Um, the other thing that really kind of drove me towards orthopedics is absolutely the technology and the tools and, and, you know, using my hands because I'm generally quite a practical person as it is. And I, I love learning about new systems and new bits of equipment, um, you know, and, and functional things. And orthopedics is absolutely one of the specialities which has so many different, um, types of prostheses, uh, different types of implants, different types of uh, equipment. You know, you're always constantly using your hands. Um, and, and actually, it is fun. It's actually really enjoyable to, to do something that's constructive and productive. And one of the things we all, always joke about in, in orthopedics, and I think we said this at the beginning, right, Andreas? So when there is a fracture, what do we do? We fix so it. Do do? We fix it. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is the joy, you know. We, we can make a difference quite immediately for 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 people, for for patients, and and that's really what 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 makes me ha happy about orthopedics. Because we've got other medical specialities as well, which are excellent, right? They're really good things that you know our radiology colleagues do, our GPs do, uh, you know, our, our oncologists do. But orthopedics is a functional speciality with excellent quality of life outcomes um you know depending on what we've done with the patients uh, and that's really uh it gives me a good feeling makes me feel good warm inside <laughs> i have to say i relate to both of both of the points that you gave like i've seen patients come in in theaters for total knee uh knee replacements and then the next day you can see them walking they go from immense pain and then to the next day they're taking their first steps and that that is truly amazing yeah absolutely i mean obviously hips and knee replacements at the beginning knee replacements are a bit painful straight after the operation but if you give the patient you know a few weeks couple of months they absolutely you know they love it they they're so grateful when they come back um, and that gives us a good feeling. And if you look at the technology and the differences, you know, um, one of the key things that's happened. So 100 years ago, so I was actually looking at some, some of this data. If you look at life expectancy, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, if you look at the American life expectancy charts, you know, people were living till, do you know how much was life expectancy in 1900? It was 45 to 48. That's the U.S. data. Right now, that's 100 years ago. Right now, people are living to over 80, 85, 90. And the reason that that's important for, for us is because we're human beings. So we wear out, right? So our hips wear out, our knees wear out. So that, that's what's changed. You know, that a lot of it's changed. And, 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 and what we've learned is what we can do, what we can do to help people. So to improve the, the quality of life and that function, we can do things. Not everybody necessarily needs to have an operation, but you can do something practical to, to, to help them, to reconstruct them, to, re to replace them. And I'm not saying, you know, that's always in every single patient that they have to have a surgery, but this is one of the joys of orthopedic and 
trauma surgery. And the other thing that I quite enjoy actually about this, um, you know, you asked me why did I do this specifically? That was your question, right? So I don't want to, you know, deviate too much. Why did I do this? So the other thing I quite enjoy myself is sports. Right? I love sports. I, and, and I tell you, it's really good for me because it helps me relax. You know, like today, you know, I went for a run in the morning. I went to the gym. Uh, I did a bit of Fitbit and all things with my daughter who's seven years old. And I quite like sports. And the reason I mention that is because what I do, I do lots of sports surgeries. So I see lots of athletes, you know, young, fit, strong people uh, who may have been playing football. Great sport, right? You know, keeping fit and active. And then they've fallen over and they've ruptured their ligaments in their knee devastated right because they can't get back to what they love doing and an unfortunate in a position to be able to help them to reconstruct their ligaments or to repair their cartilage within the knee and get them going and get them back onto their sports field uh, and that that also is is good for me because i re- i relate to it right i mean uh, to be honest i used to love playing myself but i'll be honest my knees are not very good so uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've slowed down a bit. I've modified my activities. But yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, you know, why, why did I do it? So multiple factors, actually. So one is obviously being able to help people. Two is, you know, it's a practical speciality. And three, for me, it's a very sports-based speciality. Or the surgery that I do is also sports-based. So I operate on a spectrum of people. So I operate on people who are young, fit, strong, very, very well you know, with all these sports injuries on their hips and their knees. Um, and then I operate on people who are older, 60, 70, 80, 90, not very mobile. And then I can reconstruct and replace their joints. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because um, it's always something different. No two patients, no two hips, no two knees, uh, no two pathologies are exactly the same. Honestly, I tell you, you know, I've put in thousands of hip replacements and or knee replacements or done knee arthroscopies, etc., or hip arthroscopies, but every single one is different. And that the reason that's important, I think, is because that keeps my mind active uh, and that keeps me interested. So I always say, you know, whatever you do in life, you have to enjoy it. You know, I, I mean, that's that's important for 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 me. And maybe one day, uh, Andreas, you, you know, you'll be you'll be joining us, right? Orthopedic surgery. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. I, I have to say it, it's 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 dear to my heart, orthopedic surgery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you did our projects as well, right? So you did our projects <laughs> as well. So we can even talk about that. So it's all the good things, you know, that, that we, we can we can do. So maybe one day, you know, in a few years' time, you're always welcome back. <laughs> um, but yeah, come come and um, join us. Now, as you were talking, it reminded me of one thing. I remember you gave a lecture uh, about going into orthopedics and how it is. And you said for orthopedic surgeons, they have three things. They have a, yeah. they want to help people. They yeah. use hammers and they have a God complex. <laughs> yes. You remember that slide? That is, do you know what? It's so funny because it's true. All right. Do you know that's what it is, actually? It's funny. But the key bit I think I emphasized, actually, is that genuinely you want to help somebody i mean all doctors want to help somebody right but the satisfaction really of, of orthopedic surgery is the kind of instantaneous fixation does that make sense so if somebody comes in you know bad situation it's because i do trauma surgery or you know falling down the stairs broken their hip for example god forbid and then you replace it or, or, or you fix it you get them back up on their feet uh, and, and that's good and that's that part and parcel of 
wanting to help people. And then the hammer, that's also uh, true as well, because orthopedic surgeons love tools. So we're very mechanical specialists, right? So if you ever come, and I'm sure you will, actually, you're coming to my module next year. So hopefully you'll get a lot of experience <laughs> at the at uh, Rule Free and, and UCL with us. So you're coming to my module because uh, hopefully we'll get you into theatres and then you'll see the vast array of kit that we have. And actually, if you enjoy that kind of technical uh, stuff and, uh, you know, engineering, etc., then you will, then you will enjoy it. I think, I think you will enjoy it, you know, but you come and see, you come and see, I'm spend sure, some time I'm sure. and, and see the patients and then, you know, uh, hopefully you, you'll learn and, and you'll understand what we do. You mentioned, you mentioned before, uh, exercise. Um, yeah. and I know that orthopedics has long hours and it's high stress levels and I'm sure exercise really helps in this, um, in this aspect. What else do you do in order to cope with the long hours and the high stress? That, that is an excellent question. So, you know, so you mentioned kind of exercise and what else? So for me, um, you know, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. I, long hours, stress, right? This is not a job. It's more of a lifestyle. So everything, so orthopedics and actually surgery, generally speaking, is more of a lifestyle. And if you speak to most surgeons, they'll tell you that. And the key thing is how do you cope with the amount of stress? So first and foremost, for me, is getting into routines, right? And I think that helps me on a personal level. So every day I wake up between 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, usually about 5 o'clock, okay? Uh, and even Saturday, Sunday, if I'm on holiday, my wife hates it because she says, even on holiday, we went to, we went to, beautiful, we went to beautiful Cyprus last month. So we went to Lanaka, uh, uh, you know, near Ayanapa. And every day I was up 5 o'clock. And my wife said, why, you know, why are you getting up? <laughs> and, and, and you've got asked, you know, what else do I do? So go on holiday. But I get, the reason I get up at that time is part and parcel of what helps me relax and to de-stress is the exercise, right? So, uh, and I enjoy things. So, for example, I wake up every day, either I'll go for a run or I'll go to the gym or I will use my punching bag in the uh, garage downstairs or I'll do some stretches because even for an hour, because it's my time, it's my downtime, you know? And I try to do that every single day because it helps me to become much, much more focused, 100%. And not only does it help me become much more um, uh, uh, focused, it makes me much more productive throughout the day. I am ready to hit the day. Um, uh, and the other reason I, I, I do it, not only for me, is because I do it even on holidays because I know that my daughter wakes up at seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, right? So even on the holidays, if I've done my exercise or my own time and I've had my time, I can come back. I can get her ready. I can brush her teeth, give her a bath, you know, uh, comb her hair, and then we're ready for the day. And, and, and I think that's important. The other thing that I think is important with this as well, you know, you talked about the exercise and the long hours. So you need 100% stamina, okay? So not only mental stamina, but physical stamina as well. Sometimes we do 10-hour, 12-hour operating days, and you have got to be good and ready and strong from hour one to hour 10, okay? You've got to be, because at the end of the day, 
you know, you are operating on someone. I mean, you are, is someone's limb or life or, or, or quality of life you have, okay, that you have responsibility for, okay? And, and I think that's the reason, what else do I do? That's another reason that I actually do it, okay? So I try to do it. And, and I always say to everybody, whoever, whatever you do, you know, I think it's important to look after your health. You know, I've got some fantastic friends who are non-medics as well. And for example, you know, either uh, we try to do things together, like we go, we wake up together, we go for a run, we do exercise together. And, and not only is that helpful, so, you know, your, your original question was, what else do I do to de-stress? I try to have some kind of social commitments as well. And I try to kind of mix it up. So even my exercise, I try to do with my friends, my colleagues, because I think it's important to have good people around you as well, because that also helps you to 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 relax. You know, for example, kind of yesterday, I had some time off. I took my uh, daughter, wife, and then my friends, or we all went to a kind of a kid's massive playground, right? And you know what? It was good. Right? It was good fun because it's your downtime, right? You get to talk, you get to have social interaction, you're always learning things from each other, uh, uh, and that helps me relax as well. You know, I, I love working, don't get me wrong, but I, I think you, you have to have a balance, and but you have to find, in my opinion, whatever that balance is for you, okay? Because everybody is different, right? And, and I can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because that's what I do, okay? And I enjoy doing that. I love surgery. I love orthopedics. I love working with people. I also love teaching you guys. You know, I always say to my students, but, you know, you know what? world is your oyster, right? You know, you, you guys, young, you've got, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ahead of you. you do, do, do what you love and enjoy it. Because, you know, you, you mentioned it's stressful, uh, and it's difficult, but I think it's how you look at life. Does that make sense? How you look at life, how you interpret things. And you're always going to find something that might not be right. Okay. And I've got, as I said, my daughter, seven years old. I always say to her that, you know, if there's a, a problem, what do we find? And I, I can already get her. She knows. When there's a problem, there's an issue. What do you find? A solution. Okay. And, and, and your <laughs> question was, your question was on stress and how do I handle it? And what else do I do? So, yeah, so in kind of summary, what do I do? So I, I um, try to do my exercise. I form routines. I try to keep a good social uh, network, good people around me. Uh, I try to build good habits. I always try to learn. So I always try to read something. And I always try to, and, and, and it's not always easy, but trying to find a positive, you know, spin on everything. Because it's very easy to, Kind of mold and grow. I mean, let's be honest. You know, we work in tough environment. We work in the National Health Service, right? <laughs> you know, it's not easy. It's not not easy actually. Not easy at all. But it's it's a good system. But um, it's on how how you deal with it. How how you not only look after the patients, but I think you, your your question probably was on you know looking after yourself as well. But you have to have a, a balance on it. And I, you know, it's important. I totally agree with you. And to be honest, I'm starting to see a pattern now um, because my dad also exercises a lot. Uh, every day he goes for runs. Uh, today I had a conversation, another podcast with another clinician. He exercises every day. He wakes up. Uh, I don't, I don't think same time, a bit later than you do. Uh, but he does 10K every day. On the weekends, he does another 30K. 
And I think it's you, like what you said before, you have to be well yourself in order to provide care to other people, it, it, to provide compassion to it, even to your friends, to your family. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. And you've hit the nail on the head. So, so you know, I, I think it all, all, all works uh, in combination. So your healthy physical lifestyle has a, a good effect on your mental health as well. And, and you know, 100 years ago, people never used to talk about your um, mental health as much. Um, and then people never really used to understand the importance of maintaining a healthy physical lifestyle because they are married, right? They are married. And, and, I, and I think, you know, for me, every single day, just hour in the morning and, and whatever it is, I just do it. And I try to mix it up. So one day I'll go for a run, one day I hit the punching bag, one day I do, mm. um, you know, so I'm training, actually me and my daughter were training for our Taekwondo um, black belts. So it'll be <laughs> hopefully next year, fingers crossed. Uh, we're not black belts yet, we're red belts. But, you know, having the little small goals, small goals, um, uh, just to keep your mind and your body um, uh, active, uh, engaged, uh, and I think that that's um, that's so so important. And I, I think you know one of the purposes of your podcast, I think you mentioned, was you know being healthy, being mindful, and these are so so important in everyone's life, day to day lifestyle. I think you know that is key, and that's what I say to all of my patients as well, actually, because you know even though I do surgery and I love doing surgery, surgery is not always the right way, or not every single person needs to have surgery. And even if you do surgery, we always think about you know, keeping healthy, being mindful, looking after yourself. So, for example, I'll give you an example. So I do lots of hip replacements, knee replacements, knee surgeries, okay? But I always say to the patients, look, you've got to look after yourself because if you don't do the rehabilitation, if you don't rehab yourself, you won't have a good outcome. You know, you will be in pain. You will be unhappy. You'll be depressed. You've got to look after. You've got to keep your joints moving. You've got to keep your muscles strong. Uh, and that has a good effect on you physiologically, but also mentally as well. I mean, knee replacements, massive operation. It can take up to a year for people to get better. And I can tell you, you know, I look at the patient, even though I have two patients, okay, exactly the same pathology, so the same knees, they're very, very worn out, for example. And I do the same operation, exactly, exactly the same, exactly the same cut, if I put exactly the same implant in, the same cement, the same type of system, both of them, will do slightly differently, even if they're both, say, 70 years old, and they're both got their same similar, you know, medical background. But one will take things and do the rehab. They'll do the exercise. They'll keep positive. And they will do much better than this other person who may not want to maintain healthy mindset, healthy kind of lifestyle. They won't want to follow the rehab. And, and, and that's important. And most important person I always say when I'm talking to my patients is the patient, right? So that is the key thing, you know, and, and it goes with anything in life, you know. I think you've just got to be aware of, um, you know, maintaining your good, healthy mindset, good, healthy lifestyle. And for me, I, I think that's important. I think that helps me. That helps me to keep focused. It helps me to keep driven. It helps me to be able to do everything that I, I do, you know, Um and just forming good habits, having good people around you, uh, having good influences, um, and that you know helps. I think uh, anyone to 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 be successful, if that makes sense. <laughs> I I I I can't agree more with you. Um, and I think what you 
what you just brought up, the exercise um, and following basically um, what the doctor told you, follow, follow the exercise after the total knee replacement. I think this also brings us to um, uh, prevention before. Uh, b- before we, before, uh, we start getting arthritis, um, should, let's get into that. So what can people do, um, mm-hmm. as, um, preventatively in order to prevent some common orthopedic, uh, injuries? Fantastic. That's an excellent question. Thank you for asking me because even though I'm a surgeon, I always say to all of my patients, not everybody needs an operation and we have a massive, massive focus on prevention being better than cure because you've heard that term right prevention be better than cure and that is exactly what we focus on in orthopedics and what I do sports injuries and your key question was what can people do to prevent injuries osteoarthritis and I'll keep it very simple is just doing absolutely the basics right so number one is your lifestyle okay so what do I mean by your lifestyle eating properly drinking properly sleeping properly, getting into a good regular habit. One of the biggest issues that we have, okay, in, in terms of lifestyle is body weight, all right? So, for example, if you weigh BMI of 45, okay, then obviously that has a negative effect on your bones and your joints, okay? You've got more pressure, more load going through there. You are higher risk, or if you slip or have a small slip or a slip or a fall, if you're weighing... 150 kilos you're more likely to cause more damage so that's important so your lifestyle is important okay so eating properly drinking properly sleeping properly maintaining your body weight okay that reduces your risk of knee and hip problems um and as an as a very positive effect as we all know on your heart and your lungs okay that's number one number two in terms of uh, uh, prevention so I, i've done um, or I'm doing some work with FIFA, so football, um, which you've heard of, International Football uh, Federation. Um, we talk about injury prevention in sports, okay? So the important thing in injury prevention um, goes to kind of three basic principles around, you know, joints, right? So one of them is your muscle strengthening, okay? So imagine... If your muscles are, there's no rocket science here, it's pretty easy. (laughs) If your muscles are stronger, your joint is better supported, right? So, and that goes for everything because your joints are complex. They're made up of muscle, bone, tendon, cartilage, and ligaments. And all of these things can get injured, right? But if your muscles are strong, then it reduces your risk of getting damage to other parts okay so that's one so the second thing in your kind of injury prevention um is your range of motion okay so keeping active keeping moving and what do i talk about stretching all right you've got to stretch you've got to keep supple all right because if you're not supple if you don't keep that range of motion if you're not don't keep that flexibility then you're much more risk of causing damage to your muscles or your tendons. So you've got to be flexible and you've got to work on that. And even doing basic things, you know, yoga, Pilates, these kinds of things, these are fantastic for you in terms of injury prevention. The next thing that we talk about, okay, in terms of injury prevention, because I work on a lot of injury prevention things. So even 
Anyone can get an injury. 80-year-old person falling down the stairs, 20-year-old footballer twisting their knee, crack, gone, ligaments, okay? It's balance, okay? That's the third thing. Balance, you've got to work. So balance, the technical term that we use on, on balance, um, uh, address, and I'm sure you know is called proprioception, okay? So what I mean by proprioception and, and balance is if your balance or your joint position sense is good, your risk of falling down and either breaking your leg or, or, or slipping during football or slipping off a step is much lower. So you've got to work on that. One of the examples that I'll give you, so I've done this myself actually, So and you, anyone can do this. So you can even buy over the shops um, something called a wobble cushion, all right? Uh, and you just stand on it. And I bought it even for my daughter, actually. And we sometimes play games, right? You know, balance. Go <laughs> focus on that balance. Because we throw a ball, I say, catch this. Because I don't want her to fall over and injure herself. Because, you know, kids are running around everywhere. Uh, and yeah. if you look, some countries have actually incorporated some of the FIFA um, injury prevention protocols uh, in their children's physical education programs. So I think New Zealand has built some of these things in. And I think the future is prevention of these injuries. Okay, so that's really, really important. So the next thing that I talk about, uh, 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 to be honest, I could talk to you about this for hours, honestly, <laughs> because it's my interest, right? It's, it's what I yeah. do, not only for a job, but as a hobby. It's my hobby yeah. as well, right? So, so as I said, I train for I'm training for my black belt in taekwondo. You know, I've got a little child who's interested in sports and activities, and I also do it as a, so I could talk for hours and hours. So the next thing we talk about is things like sports specific training. All right. So your question was, how can we prevent injuries? Uh, how can we prevent osteoarthritis? Obviously, is part and parcel of it because. Injuries can lead to long-term osteoarthritis. So someone who's had a fracture in the long-term of their bone or a fracture of the knee and the hip, they can develop osteoarthritis. So if you can prevent all of these injuries, it's better. So the next thing we talk about is sports-specific training, right? So uh, Can I pause you there one yeah. minute? Uh, yeah. Could you explain what osteoarthritis is? Absolutely. So osteoarthritis is degeneration of the joint, Okay. Um, and it can happen because of multiple factors. It can be inherent yourself, so there's a slight genetic component, or secondary factors, uh, which can be things like broken bones, so fractures, or an inflammatory condition, or an infective condition that can cause secondary osteoarthritis. So in a nutshell, what is it? It's degeneration where the cartilage in a joint wears away, and that results in pain, stiffness, swelling, and really a reduction in function of that joint. Does that make sense? Of <laughs> course, of course. Of different types of uh, arthritis, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and we're just going back to your, you know, your question about well, how can we prevent it? So we talk about injury prevention, right? Um, the other thing we talk about is sports-specific training, all right, and also rehabilitation. So whatever sport that you are doing or you're training towards, we always say, you know, try to build up slowly for it, right? We always say, walk before you can run. So if you're doing football, if you're doing cricket, you're doing basketball, you're doing hockey, you know, you've got to train up towards it because <laughs> your small training sessions or your gentle training sessions, they will help you towards the big game. 
And the reason that that's important is because we don't want you to get injured. We want to prevent that injury. And if you've gone and done regular training, okay, then you would reduce your risk of doing that. Other things we talk about are quite, quite, quite kind of basic kind of things. So, <coughs> sorry about it. So, um, basic things. So, we talk about warming up before doing your sessions. Okay, really, really important. Make sure before you go for any big game. So, I deal with lots of sports people. Make sure you're warmed up, you're stretched out, um, and that you're you're ready. As opposed to going from a cold to straight into a sprint you're definitely more likely to pull a muscle or sprain a muscle or strain a muscle. So that's really, really, um, that's so important. And then I think I touched on it before is obviously your nutrition as well. Okay. So make sure before your games, um, you know, or before playing, even before going for a run or after a run, well hydrated, you've got good nutrition on board. I mean, I, I did the London marathon, you know, uh, a few years ago. And we talk about preparing for the marathon. So even the night before, you've eaten your appropriate carbohydrates. During the race, you've kept uh, hydrated. You've taken in lots of appropriate fluids. Uh, and that keeps you going. That reduces your risk of injury. And that stops me or reduces the risk of me having to operate on you. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that comes to two things. So one is the um, sports injuries, which I deal with. And I think we mentioned the osteoarthritis because lots of injuries can result in long-term osteoarthritis. But if you do all of these things first, you will reduce the risk of having a knee replacement or hip replacement. So with all of these things, we always, always, always emphasize the importance of non-operative treatment first. So as you know, in medicine or surgery, we always talk about two broad categories of treatment, non-operative and operative. And if you can do all of these things, then that will reduce your risk of having an operation or reduce your risk of osteoarthritis. So I know I've been going on for a bit, but I'll keep it to summarize. Your question was, what can you do to reduce the risk of osteoarthritis or sports injuries? Because that's what I deal with and I operate on every single day. To summary, lifestyle, okay? So eating properly, drinking properly, sleeping properly, and watching your weight, okay? Number two, we talked about the kind of holy trinity, strengthening, stretching, range of motion, and balance, okay? Number three, we talk about sport-specific training, getting into a good, regular habit, okay? This is so, so, so important. And also part and parcel of that is your number four is just being ready, okay? So... Good nutrition beforehand. Make sure you've got your fluids. Make sure you've warmed up. Make sure you've got your appropriate footwear when you're walking, sensible, all right? If you're going for a run, so as I said, I, I love running, got to be aware of what you're wearing because you don't want to slip or trip and you want to have the appropriate cushion um, or, or appropriate shoes that fit your feet um, and then you go for it. And that will give you not only injury prevention or osteoporosis, but small gains, because that's what we're looking for. Because you're an athlete, right, Andres? You're an athlete. What do you play? Basketball? I played basketball for many years, then I did Muay Thai. Oh, uh, fantastic. For... Right? <laughs> Perfect. So Muay Thai and basketball, two fantastic sports. I used to love 
during my tie, did quite a bit of my tie as well in my time. And, and these are the key things I, I, I say to patients. So even if you're still going to do it, right, I'll still say the same thing for you. Uh, you've got to be, you've got to do all of these things. They will reduce your, your risk. And even before you're doing your sessions, obviously basic stuff, try and get a good night's sleep before you go for a Mai Tai fight or a basketball game, right? Because you know it affects these small gains. We talk about 1% gains. Um, small gains are very, very important. Great. Was it was that uh, did I answer your question? <laughs> of course, of course. And uh, I do want to because everything you said really interests me. I want to go a bit in the specifics. I got two specific questions. So the first one is you said about exercise and strengthening the joint. So would you would you suggest compound exercises such as deadlifts or squats or isolated exercises? Uh, for this is a fantastic question because this is exactly what I was. So I went to the gym in the morning with one of my friends exactly what we were talking about so joint strengthening all right the answer is it's a combination of all of these all right it's not just one exercise it's a combination of isolation and compound but doing it sensibly uh, and in a steady manner because let's be honest our human body is not necessarily designed for an average person to lift 500 kilograms right so not everybody has to do that. In my opinion, what I would kind of suggest or, or what I try to do, if you can, body weight exercises are usually quite good and mixing them up with your isolated isolation exercises plus compound. So there are three main compound exercises that we talk about. Deadlift, squat, and bench press, which you know about, yeah? Right, you've been to the gym. <laughs> uh, the key thing with any of these things is to do it properly. So I'll give you an example. Today, oh, we were next to a chap in the gym in the morning doing a uh, dumbbell press on the incline, okay? And this is interesting because I had a chat with this guy. Picked up super heavy weights, strong, but no control, 0% control. So what I mean by that, pushing up the dumbbells but just lets them fall lets them drop like that's bad right you have no control yeah. they're too heavy for him so there are three things that can happen here number one if he does it badly he can injure himself he can tear something in his shoulder easily number two if he's dropping the weight he can drop it in someone else's foot which is not very good and this is what, this is what i was telling <laughs> the guy say look you know please be careful and number three you can make a hole in the floor all right so three things can get damaged either the person or someone else or the floor so 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 that's important so your question was what is better compound or isolation the answer is a combination of them is, is are, are good that's what my opinion is with probably not only free weights machine weights and um body weight exercises the key thing is do it properly do it sensibly because to be honest, I don't, you don't want anybody to be operated on your torn bicep or your torn patella tendon, okay? Because these are the kind of things that we do, that we do as surgeons, okay? And, and we find that actually, we find that very, very frequently. A lot of people get injuries because they've not done it properly. They've not, they've tried to push beyond, they don't have the appropriate training techniques, um, they have not warmed up properly. They've taken the dumbbells too heavy for them. Uh, and that's bad. And, and you know, the scary thing was what, what happened today in the morning 
with the guy who was actually dropping the weights on the floor and rolling them around. He was with a personal trainer who was <laughs> telling him. And I, I turned around to my friend. I was like, what the heck is this? I said, this is madness. I said, oh my God, I can't believe it. I said, this guy is going to end up in my clinic next week. Right? Either he will end up in the clinic or the personal trainer will end up in my clinic because he dropped the thing on his foot and he's broken his metatarsal, one of the bones in the foot. So that's what I said to him. I said, you know, look, you know, you've got to be sensible because it's very easy. I mean, we've all had our injuries, right? We've all yeah. had our injuries. Um, and obviously, I don't want to digress too much, but just summarizing your question, what's better, isolated or combat? combination? But if I tell you one thing, do it right. Yeah. Okay. Do the correct technique. I've got one more question to go, that goes in specific. So it's about stretching. Um, there's dynamic stretching, which is movement, uh, um, stretching the, basically the joint and increasing, um, the angles of movement. And then there's a uh, static stretching. I've heard that dynamic stretches are better before you go into exercise and then static stretches after exercise. What's your opinion on that? Uh, that is a good question. I don't think there's any hard or fast evidence, okay, on which one to do before or after the exercise. Um, I think both of them are good. Uh, uh, in my opinion, I think the key thing is having a gentle warm-up, okay? Because part of your your, your injuries is you've not warmed up. So you have to do a targeted warm-up. So it depends on what muscle that you're using as well, what muscle that you're training. So you have to do target. You could go for a gentle row or a run or a cross trainer to get your heart rate up, get the whole body warmed up, okay? And then, and that obviously, uh, you know, that helps you in terms of getting things moving, stretching you out a bit. And then I would suggest is um, starting off on a super low weight and then just pushing out your reps, okay? That gets your body moving, the blood flowing, and that also helps you in a targeted way by stretching out the appropriate muscles um, that you're actually going to be utilizing. So, you know, I, I, I think that's super important. The way I do it, and I'm not saying that this is the correct way, okay? Everybody does it kind of differently. So uh, I always try to do, and this is just my opinion, okay? So I always try to go for just a gentle cross trainer first, just five minutes, just to kind of get the blood flowing, get everything upper body, lower body kind of moving. Then I go for a uh, two to three minute head to toe stretch, okay? Start my neck, shoulders, biceps, triceps, you know, and all, all kind of static with kind of nothing, kind of it's not super movements, okay? Then the third thing I do, then I go and hit the weight, okay? So that's exactly what I did this morning. I was doing a combination of uh, back and biceps, for example, so we did these uh, two things and then went into to do back and biceps and then I was good. And I'm not saying yeah. that I don't get injuries. I did. I have had injuries. When I was 20 years old at UCL, uh, well, well, it was 20 years ago, you know, <laughs> when, where you are. So I went to the Yulu gym without thinking, you know, 120 kilogram, 130 kilogram squat, you know, the squat rack, uh, you know, no proper warm up, bang, back, gone. Yeah. So I had a side, I had a slip to disc. So I had prolapse disc, not uncommon, and something called sciatica. So the disc had mm -hmm. popped and then pushed on the nerve and caused pain. And I was in so much pain, literally. And the reason that happened is because I had no sense of doing things properly. And I just went in for the heavy weight, no stretch, no proper warm-up, 
you know, just and then I've learned myself. Yeah. You know, I've learned from my own errors, mistakes, because we all learn, right? And the reason that is super interesting for me is because it's my hobby, as I said. This is what I do and I quite enjoy it. I enjoy playing, I enjoy training, I enjoy doing it with other uh, 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 you know, my friends, my colleagues, and it just, it's, it's good for me. So even when I talk to my patients, I can talk to them for hours about sports and injuries and preventing and rehabilitation because uh, it's my job and it's my hobby. <laughs> I think what you, everything that you just said is so important because we're seeing like a movement of people going into the gym with no previous experience of exercise. And then they, they, they go for trouble basically. And, and you see, trouble, yeah. <laughs> so it's sad it's sad it's sad and i always tell them look please i don't want you to get damaged you know it's it's better yeah. because we don't want you and I, I would say also as i said not necessarily everyone needs to have an operation but the key thing i say to people or patients look if you've got an injury or if something's happened you can't just keep on you need to know what it is right so that's where i come in you know in terms of diagnosis because then i see the patients i can help with the diagnosis I think there's an important misconception we have to uh, address here. It's when people say no um, um, in the gyms, no pain, no gain. How do you answer to that? Oh, that is a fantastic, another great question. This is brilliant. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so in your body, okay, I'll try and keep it super simple. All right. There are two types of pain, two types of pain. There is a good pain and there's a bad pain. The only person that knows what the good pain is or the bad pain is, is you. And I'll explain that to you, okay? The good pain is your muscles burning, your lactic acid building up. You're pushing that extra stretch, the rep. You feel, because you know one of the principles of building muscle is that you're breaking down muscle, right? You know that, okay? When you're pushing 10, 20 reps, you're breaking down the muscle and then it regenerates and it becomes stronger. The other reason you get good pain is your lactic acid building up you get the lactic build okay so that's your good pain and then your bad pain is the injury pain all right so you can have torn bit of cartilage you know you can get the pain when you're loading it inside the joint you can get clicking catching locking in your knee your shoulder and the person who knows which one is which is you so what i would say is listen to your body and listen to yourself and, and if you feel, if you feel that this is not right, okay, slow it down, stop it, okay? Because what will happen, and this is a problem, you can make things worse. And that's what I don't want to happen. You might have a partial, what we say, a meniscal tear. So the meniscus is like a piece of cartilage, like a rubber, a rubber in the knee that acts as a shock absorber. And then imagine if you're continuously pounding on that and your knee continues to swell and lock and click, then you made a small tear into a big tear. And that's what I don't want to, to happen. So, but remember, you know what the good pain is and you know what the bad pain is. So there is a, there is, you know, some, you know, background of no pain, no gain, right? Um, but, but it has to be balanced and you've got to think, okay? Because you can't just keep pushing through pain barriers all the time. You can't do that because you can potentially make yourself worse. But you've got to decide when to push. And that's where, you know, hopefully you have a sensible personal trainer or you've seen a 
someone sensible, you've seen your, your, your friendly orthopedic surgeon who will tell you this is what the problem is. And that's what a question I always get asked is, can I do that? And then I will take a history, I'll examine the patient, I'll send them for an appropriate investigation, and then I will give them guided advice. Because my job is to give you patients and people information, right? And it's people's job or patient's job to make a decision on what they do. Not everyone always listens, okay? And I say, look, I'll tell you a classic example is my brother. Okay, so about 18 months ago, he ruptured his uh, left knee PCL. So the PCL is a ligament in the knee that attaches the thigh bone to the shin bone playing football. But he loves football. Okay, that's what he does. Yes. Every Sunday, he goes and plays football. And I told him about all of these things that we're talking about. I told him, I said, look, you know, your knees are not, not fantastic. You've got to do rehabilitation. And I said exactly everything on injury prevention. I said, you're coming to almost 40 now. So, you know, your body changes. You know, a 40-year-old knee is not the same as a 20-year-old knee. I mean, you don't see many super professional 40-year-old footballers do you because most of their knees wear out right by 30 35 anyway classic example uh is is, is him you know he went to to football last year i said look do your rehab do everything properly did he listen probably not you know didn't listen didn't do anything and then do you know what happened this year he's done his other knee so he's torn his mcl so he went back and i said look you know you can't go back you're not ready okay um and and, and you're not ready uh, your, your knees are not good right and then he's ripped his other ligament now he's definitely can't play <laughs> so you know it's, it's not good it's unfortunate so um that's important that you know is that we talk about i think um it's, it's, it's talking about doing the right things and it goes back to that no pain no gain but knowing your body knowing when to do things taking guided advice because people want you to do well right i mean we as doctors obviously that's our job we want people to do well we want people to be healthy we don't want people to get injuries um but everybody is different um and the key thing i would say look you know listen listen to your body okay um and try to be sensible but keep active because you don't want to stop your lifestyle right you don't want to be stuck in your room 24 hours a day you want to be doing something in my opinion trying to keep healthy keep fit what would you say to older the older population with a lot of hip fractures that we're seeing? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what I say to the older patients? Uh, excellent question. So my parents are in their 70s. Um, and I have a, every week, every day, you know, every day I speak to them uh, and I tell them the same thing. Have you done your exercises yet? Have you gone for a walk? Okay. Because this is what I'm worried about. All right. So they're overweight. They're elderly, so they are a classic risk of injury and osteoarthritis. My dad's got some osteoarthritis. So the question is, what do I say to them? I say, look, I don't want you to fall over and break your hip. And I say, I don't want you to end up having a knee replacement. So I tell yeah. them, do the basics right. So, for example, my brother's bought them an exercise bike. So we track them, we tell them, look, 40 minutes every day, do that. Second thing is we try and get them walking. So we've got an app you know, a little app where you can just track their walks, etc. So every day, go out 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever you can. So the thing is, what do I say to the older patients? Are the same thing. Do your basics right. Yeah. And try to keep mobile. Try to keep active because it will be good for you in the long term. Because we know 
you know, if you're active and you're loading your joints appropriately, that helps with your bone health. Okay. So for example, if you're immobile and you're just lying in bed 24 hours, then as you know, physiologically, you reduce your bone density. density. Okay. And then when you reduce your bone density, you are predisposed to slightly more brittle bones and predisposed to therefore fractures in the elderly. So I always tell them to keep active, uh, keep moving, go for walks, use the exercise bike. And also, as I said earlier, make sure you're eating properly, sleeping properly, drink, drinking properly. The other issue that we have, especially here in this um, country, is sunlight, lack of sunlight. So why is that important? Vitamin D. D. And as you know, vitamin D is good for bone health. And as you know, this country, we've got low vitamin D. If you have a poor bone health, again, you're much more susceptible to fractures. So that's important. Okay. And, and your question was, what do I say to the elderly? All of these things, you know, please yeah. be aware your diet is super important. Not necessarily me having to fix your broken hip. But I mean, that's pretty bad if your elderly patient falls over, breaks their hip. You know, the mortality, the morbidity associated with that is very, very bad. You know, the, the mortality, I mean, the, you know, the death rate in, in uh, at the one month mark is 8 to 10%. You know, if you look at up to, up to um, you know, one year after you've broken your hip can be up to, you know, 25, 30% even. So we want to prevent that. There's a massive, massive drive in this country for that. Um, and actually internationally. What are some um, common orthopedic injuries or complaints um, you hear day to day? Great. So, um, so as I said, you know, at the beginning, I, I deal with a lot of trauma and orthopedic. So trauma is the broken bones that I deal with. So, you know, anyone, anytime can have a, a, a broken bone. Um, and then the other thing, which is my super self-speciality interest, and I could talk to you for hours on sports injuries and especially of the hip and knee. Now, being more specific and, and something that I see uh, and I'm interested on a, a regular basis um, uh, is osteoarthritis. So we've talked about osteoarthritis, what it is, it's degeneration of the joints of the hips and knees as we all progress with, with time. And um, that can occur in, in anyone. Some people are slightly more susceptible than others. And the other things that I see or, or common injuries uh, we talk about are things like, we'll start with the knee and the hip. So the knee, the injuries that are I see, soft tissue injuries are things like meniscal injuries. So the meniscus is like a piece of rubber within the knee, acts as a shock absorber. It can be damaged either through traumatic um, uh, events, so such as falling, slipping, twisting your knee, or it could be a degenerative tear. So as we progress with time, we get slight, some osteoarthritis, we can get worn out meniscus and it can tear. The problem that the meniscus then causes is um, can cause pain, clicking, catching, locking sensations, and the patient's mobility is then reduced and it is an, is an issue for them. The other common thing that I see um, are ligament injuries around the knees. So the knee is made up of lots of ligaments. So ligaments are structures that attach one bit of the bone to another bone. And they help in stabilizing the joint. Okay. One of the commonest ones that I see and deal with are ACL injuries. So the ACL is called the anterior cruciate ligament. It attaches the femur, which is the thigh bone, to the shin bone. 
Um, that's really common in sports people, and it contributes to stabilizing the knee. So if you've got ACL rupture, so a footballer or a basketball player or someone skiing, they twist their knee, they hear a crack, they see, have swelling, they have uh, a pop, and they can't walk uh, properly, um, and the knee keeps on giving way, then that's quite likely to be an ACL uh, injury, anti-cruciate uh, uh, ligament. The other thing that I deal with, so um, are, are obviously hips. We talked about hip osteoarthritis. But the other thing I look at um, are younger patients who've got something called labral tears uh, or hip impingement. And I'll explain what that means. So the labrum is a soft tissue structure, okay, which is around the socket of a hip joint. And it helps to keep the ball, the ball within the socket. So the hip is a, a ball and a socket joint. And the labrum is a bit of tissue, a bit of cartilage around that rim. And sometimes that can get torn and that can cause pain. That can cause clicking. It's much more common in younger patients, much more common in athletes. Okay. Uh, and we can do things for that. So not only physiotherapy, but we can talk about things like keyhole surgeries. The other thing um, around the hips that is not uncommon is something called bursitis <laughs> or trochanteric bursitis. So that's pain around the outer aspect of your hip with some mild swelling and tenderness. Um, and, and that, again, we, we can treat with either non-operative or operative treatments. Okay. So your, your question was, what are the kind of common things that I deal with or, 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 or see? So broken bones that can occur, or, or, you know, occur anywhere around, around the body after most commonly a traumatic injury. And then kind of hips and knees. So my elective practice or the non-emergency kind of things that I, I deal with are things like um, osteoarthritis, which is the wear and tear in the hip, wear and tear in the knee, meniscal tears around the knee, ligament injuries, or even labral tears around the hip associated with something called impingement. Impingement means where there's abnormal contact between the ball and the socket. But there are lots of things that we can do to help patients. And the key thing is, as I said, diagnosis. You have to have the diagnosis before you can give guided treatment, uh, if that makes sense. So what other treatment modalities, what would you, what would you present to a patient? So just broadly speaking, you know, in terms of uh, or, or orthopedics, uh, with fractures, so we talk about fractures, we talk about non-operative or operative treatment so broken bones anywhere around the body okay so your non-operative treatments usually for your, your fractures uh, are things like splints or plasters um, and we need to apply these in a correct position to allow the bone to heal okay then your operative treatments for fractures can be either things like plates and screws it can be things like rods metal rods to put inside called nails or the third broad operative treatment for fractures is an external fixator, where we put bars and pins in to stabilize a, a, a fracture. So that's just for the fractures. Now, talking about the hip and the knee joints, all right, talking about the, the treatment modalities, um, again, we talk about the non-operative treatments versus the operative treatments. The non-operative treatments are things such as physiotherapy, activity, physiotherapy exercises. And again, it depends on what the pathology is, but just broadly speaking, 
activity modification. So don't do things that flare your pain up around the hip and the knee and build in other things that we talk about with the osteoarthritis, low active, low impact activities like swimming, cycling, yoga, Pilates. These are quite good. Third thing we talk about treatments, we talk about painkillers. So we talk about anti-inflammatories, but they don't treat or reverse the, the pathology, but they help with the symptoms. And the fourth thing, lifestyle, which we talked about earlier. And again, eating properly, drinking properly, watching your weight, sleeping properly. So those are the non-operative treatments for things like um, a, a knee osteoarthritis or hip osteoarthritis or even meniscal tears and even ACLs because not everybody needs to have surgery, okay? The next step up we talk about yeah, for the hips and the knees, we talk about different injections. And I think you, 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 you touched upon that kind of before. So broadly speaking, there are lots and lots of different types of injections. One is a steroid with a local anesthetic. Second, for osteoarthritis, something called hyaluronic acid, which is like a joint lubricating fluid, like oiling a car. The third, we talk about PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma for early osteoarthritis. Platelet-rich plasma is where you take a sample of blood from a patient, you spin it in something called a centrifuge, and you extract the good components, and you put this back into uh, the patient's joint. And then the final are, are things like the different types of stem cell uh, treatment availabilities for injection. So these are things like fat cells or bone marrow cells. The data for these is poor. So I don't use uh, mm -hmm. things such as, you know, fat cells or bone marrow cells in my practice because the data is poor and it's not supported. The commonest thing that most patients or most people, most surgeons use in terms of the injections are steroid and local anesthetic because they have a good effect in terms of pain relief. They reduce the inflammation, but they don't always take away all of the pain. They have their own negative effects. So they have a poor effect on the cartilage um, and obviously risks of infection, bleeding with any of these injections. Okay, so it is, they are commonly used, the steroid injections, but we don't advocate giving hundreds and hundreds into the same joint. The other thing, hyaluronic acid, again, we talked about the data for that is poor, but there's some studies that support it. And PRP is something that we are actually currently studying at the moment at the Royal Free London. We've got, we have a database. There are some studies that are for, and some are against it in the past, but we're still learning. So we still use it on the NHS in our unit, but not all units use it. So that's your injections. Then your next step up in terms of your surgeries that we undertake are keyhole surgeries. So we talk about the knee first and the pathologies. So we could do keyhole surgeries. So the commonest things that I, I do keyhole surgeries for are meniscal tears. So we can either go inside. So meniscus is like a piece of rubber, the shock absorber in the knee that's damaged. Either we remove the damaged bit of meniscus or we can repair it. Ideally, for me, I would try to repair it because it has a function. And imagine if you're removing your shock absorber, you lose that shock absorbing function. And it's important um, to, to have that uh, uh, present. Not everyone, as I said, needs an operation, but there are risks and benefits for all of these things. Obviously, we talk about bleeding, infection, swelling, stiffness, scars, failure of treatment. So that's for your meniscus test. Then your ACL Again, you know, what are the treatments for that? And we talk about non-surgical treatments we talked about, then we talk about surgery. 
So ACL reconstruction is something that I do on a regular basis where you take a graft. Most commonly for me, I use something called a hamstring graft and I place it through the bone of the shin bone and I pass it through the thigh bone. And that usually gives good functional outcomes, allows people to get back to sport and stops the instability in their knee. And then the next step up in knees for osteoarthritis, we talk about partial replacements or total knee replacements. And to be honest, out of all of the different types of surgeries that we do you know, in the world for anything, things like joint replacement surgery has got the best quality of life, functional outcome scores. So you look at all of the data and they are fantastic, but only if they're done in the right patients, within the right hands, in the right setup, um, and not everybody needs it. Then your other option, we talked about your other things, were your hip, we talked about, so hip replacements we've touched upon, and then hip arthroscopy. So hip arthroscopy is another operation that I do, which is keyhole surgery in the hip. This is usually for things like impingement, where the hip is impacting and, and the ball is hitting on the socket in an inappropriate manner, or a labral tear, where we take a look and we either repair the labrum or sometimes somebody get, the patients can get extra bits of bone around the ball or around the socket, and then we remove the extra pieces of bone. But again, with that, they have their risks and benefits. But usually, you know, if we select the correct patient with the right pathology or the problem, then usually surgery has the, a good outcome. But joint replacements generally have all of the different surgeries that we've talked about. Generally, they tend to have good, good results. That's why we do them. And actually, they're, they're some of my favorite operations, actually, uh, keyhole surgeries of the hips, the knees, and, and the joint replacement. But do you know why? It's because the patients are happy. And, and that's yeah. important because it makes you feel good. When someone comes into your clinic and, and they say, thank you, you know, for doing that hip or that knee replacement, it's really satisfying. I can't describe it, but it makes you feel good, right? You know, you spent hours and training and doing these surgeries and a lot of planning etc but it makes you feel good when other people feel good right and when you've done something someone say thank you very much that's what we want you know if i wanted to be a multimillionaire, i would have been a banker <laughs> you know, but people do things for uh, different reasons right so it's the satisfaction of the orthopedic surgery so your question was what are the treatment options and the summary is non-operative or operative, okay? But not everybody needs a, an operation. And, uh, you know, as I said, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about this because I spent 20 years of my life learning and still learning about this. So uh, if that makes sense. It, I think uh, I'm sure we could talk hours and hours about uh, many, many stuff because I'm very passionate about everything that you said. Um, thank you so much, uh, for being here and giving your time and, and all this effort and energy. And, um, yeah, it's been an amazing podcast and I'm sure people are going to find this very useful and hopefully we prevent some injuries with this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's the key thing, right? So, the, so the, I think the emphasis really on, on this podcast, I mean, if we could kind of summarize, you know, I think that the whole channel, the whole podcast, we talk about, you know, health, being healthy. Being mindful, I think that's important. And the key thing for me on, on this podcast, I would say, if I had to kind of just sum it up, is preventing, you know, even though I'm a surgeon, it's my job, preventing injuries, you know, managing osteoarthritis, talking about the non-operative things. But it's super important 
to have an appropriate diagnosis as well. So I'll say to everyone, like, if you ever need me, I'm just here, come and see me. <laughs> you know, because that's what we do, right? <laughs> you know, uh, and I love talking to my patients. I, sometimes I get told off by the nurses because you know why? Because I end up talking to them for too long. Um, but, you know, it's, it's important because you've got to be diagnosed with the right thing. And as I said, not everybody needs to have an yeah. operation. But if you know what the problem is, as I said, my job, our job as doctors is to give information. Okay. Patients will always have choices. Uh, and that's what we emphasize. But if we can prevent an injury, we can make the correct diagnosis, then we can give patients and people better functional quality of life. Because that's what people want, right? You want a good quality of life. Yeah. You want to be able to do things appropriately. You want to be happy. You want to be pain-free. You know, and that's important. That's that's, that's the joy of orthopedics and medicine and, and, and surgery. And these are the things that we can do. Mr. Patel, I can't thank you enough um, for all of this. Oh, listen, and you know what? It's an absolute pleasure. You know, it's an absolute pleasure to do this with you. And I have to say, I do feel proud. I love teaching you guys, supporting my students. Uh, and, and I will see you uh, next uh, next month, probably, or next year, because you're coming to my hospital, you're coming to my module. Of course, of course. Hopefully you'll enjoy that, and then you'll come and join us in theatres or in clinics, and you'll see some of the patients, and you can help. And you remember, you're part of the team, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was you 20 years ago. Okay, don't forget. I was exactly what we do. Maybe not as much technology and as 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 much you know internet and social media and all of these things. But I was exactly like you twenty years ago. And maybe in twenty years' time, you'll be working here. <laughs> you never know, right? It's a great place. Um, Indeed. Yeah, great. Okay, lovely. Is that all right? I yes, think... it's been a pleasure. Okay. Very happy.